Welcome to Hamsterdam. Welcome to Hamsterdam. I'm Rusty. Uh, joined by our guest, uh, Sean and I had actually started recording a podcast um, earlier this week, but his internet cut out, which is weird because he lives in San Francisco, and I figured it was just like the Jetsons there, just Silicon Valley type. Um, it's it's becoming a significant issue that he gets off work at like ten which is normally when I go to bed. And he starts work about two hours before I get off of work. AKA Rusty Ryan is old. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, we have a huge weekend of basketball for both men's and women's. Uh, Lady Ducks, the Lady Ducks team, beat Duke, who is the two-seed on their bracket. What did you say? They, they beat Duke at Duke, so that's pretty nice. Do they not do well, central – do they not do like neutral courts or whatever? Um, I think Duke was just one of the places that hosted. I could be wrong on that though. Okay. Yeah. I mean I think Oregon took the lead in that game about just under halfway through the second quarter and then pretty much led the entire way. Is there a reason why women's basketball plays four quarters and men's plays two two halves? Because men's basketball is stupid. Because if you play literally any level of basketball other than like kindergarten, you're playing four quarters. It doesn't make any I don't sense know, to me. I don't know why men's does uh, four quarters. But actually, um, in the NIT this year for men's college basketball, they're experimenting with Basically, doing four quarters without actually doing four quarters. They're doing all these weird rules. They reset the foul bonus, all that type of stuff. So I think it doesn't make any sense. Awesome. Great. Sounds great. Psyched. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now they play Maryland on the 25th, which is Saturday. Because they play Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday. Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. Got hot for the three-pointer. So, yeah, at this point, you know, everybody's playing good teams. So, seeds don't matter too much, like you said before we started recording. Because um, Maryland is the three-seed in the bracket. But Duke was the two-seed. So, seeds don't matter. Yeah. Everything's great. Right. Um, I don't know. I was thinking about um, this this women's team, though. And, well, first of all, Kelly Graves has done such a good job coaching this team oh, yeah. um, compared to just the black hole that the women's program was in, like, what, five years ago uh, when they had to fire their coach. Um, but I was thinking that it, it's really odd that – this team, who is really led by the National Freshman of the Year and a really good young class, has made it to the Sweet 16, and all of the teams with Jillian Alene never made it to the Sweet 16, or I think even the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Um, and she's basically, if not the best player ever in women's history, uh, then probably this without a doubt, the second best player. 
So it's interesting, but it's a welcome surprise. It's nice. Yeah. I remember the previous coach, he was at UNLV and led the run in Rebels. And that was one of his like big claims to fame was pushing the pace all the time. Um, I had just started at Oregon like halfway through my sophomore year when it was like his first season. I remember he was like all over ESPN news and stuff, like early warning stuff when I was up because I was an idiot and signed up for a bunch of 8 a.m. classes. Rookie. <laughs> Such a terrible choice. Such a terrible wow. choice. Uh, yeah, his also his other claim to fame was uh, living in California, even though he coached in Eugene's. So that worked out real well. How does that work? You have a plane. It doesn't work. I don't understand. <laughs> Coaching is not yeah, like no. a half. It's like a part. It's not like a part-time job at any level. It doesn't work. Well. That's when you got so much money that you just kind of don't care at some point. Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, um, couldn't be happier with the current women's team. Um, you were saying it's a, it's a big week. Obviously, the women's team plays on Saturday, Sweet 16. Uh, uh, Duck indoor women's track just won a national championship. So Whew. we're indoor track school now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then big headliner tomorrow, because we're recording this on Wednesday, at uh, what 4.07 p.m. Pacific time, Ducks play Michigan, NCAA tournament, Sweet 16. Woo! Yeah. It's ex- I'm, I am really impressed how the team has really picked up the slack. Obviously, the game after Boucher was injured against Arizona could have gone better. Um, but Dorsey has just been killing it. And I know his last game, I think it was like 538, said he had one of the most impressive performances just based off of like his shooting percentage and like other opportunities created. I mean, Dor- Dorsey has been, over the course of the year, he's been the X-Factor all year. He's had games where, I mean, if you remember the Washington game, I don't think he dropped 50, but he was pretty damn close. Um, but then he'll, he would also have games over the course of the season where he would just disappear. Um, since postseason play started in the Pac-12 tournament, I think he's averaging about 24 points a game, maybe just under that. Uh for the season, he had averaged like 14.5, 14.8. So, I mean, we'll see if this is sustainable. Um, I guess it only needs to be sustainable for four more games. Um, but it's, it's incredibly impressive. Um, he has really stepped up since Boucher left. Um, I think it's been interesting to see how the team has adjusted um, because obviously we don't have the rim protection um, that we, that we used to. Um, But then, and also on the offensive end, we, we haven't necessarily had the spacing that we had when Boucher was on the floor and he could bring centers out to the three point line. So um, yeah, we're seeing it clog things up 
a little bit, but uh, we keep winning, so hard to complain too much. Yeah, you know, just just win, move to the next game, and figure it out. And Michigan, uh, as we talked about before, this is a at this time a one and a half point favorite over Oregon. Opened as a two point favorite. Um, I was reading that like Vegas power rankings actually have Oregon as a one point favorite. So that two and a half point swing is based on, you know, public perception because Michigan is one of the best shooting teams in the tournament right now. And they have that whole like plain skid thing where they're like a team of destiny now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Michigan is the, to me, the weirdest team remaining in the, in the tournament. Because if you watched a Michigan basketball game in mid-November or even in early January, they were just not a good team. Um, I mean, they, they're led by Derek Walton Jr., who has always – he's been a, a solid player throughout the year. He's been a good leader, but – they, they didn't really have many role players that were stepping up over the course of the early season, so people could just key on him the entire game. Um, it, I think their their rise has re- been really attributed more to their other role players stepping up. Um, yes, they, they could definitely shoot the three. Uh, they have some good length. Um, I forget his name. Moritz, that's right. Moritz Wagner from Germany. 611 he's a, he's a fun one um, so I mean that you kind of have to be a little bit concerned in terms of the length and the three-point shooting that they have because one of the real strengths of our defense is that we could close out the three-point line so aggressively when we had both Bell and Boucher to be rim protectors um, now Cavell Bigby Williams has some size but I'm not sure that that he is the rim protector that Chris Boucher is, obviously. I mean, that'd be very difficult. So it'll be interesting to see if that affects our ability to close out as aggressively the three-point line uh, in this game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cavell's been the guy that's been getting the minutes of replacing Boucher. He is 6'11". Um, so he does have the height, but not necessarily the skill set um, that Boucher did. And to be fair, I mean, nobody in the country has the skill set that Boucher did. Right. I mean, uh, defensively, Cavell can can do some pretty good things in terms of being a rim protector and and, and getting some uh, some good rebounds. Uh, offensively is where we. In my opinion, we really feel the impact of missing Boucher more um, because if you have the, that Twin Towers lineup that we would roll out there every now and then with Boucher and Bell, Boucher could be in the corner. Um, now it's really Bush, uh, Bell and Bigby Williams are both clogging the, the lane. So I think that's where we're, we're feeling the impact more. Uh, but if you have a guy like Tyler Dorsey who's shooting the lights out, that, that – That'll certainly help. Um, personally, I think that our matchup against Michigan 
it, it's a better matchup for us than if Louisville had won the game against Michigan because Louisville is long, they're athletic, they're lanky, and they have guys that just keep coming. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, that's at this point, like we said in the in talking about the women's teams, all the teams are good. It's just really a matter of who shows up that night. Yeah. And Michigan's interesting because, well, I mean, the, the real key to me is based on wh- is which team doesn't have that stretch where their offense just looks terrible. Because we've seen that happen. Which, yes. Or Maybe you, the UCLA game at UCLA. That was one. The first half against Cal. Yeah, yeah, the UCLA one was bad because there were two of them. Yeah, um, I mean, at the same time, UCLA, I, I was looking at Ken Palm rankings today. Um, UCLA is rated the 14th best team in the country right now. Um, I mean, they're, they're up there. Arizona is up there. Um, we are actually, as of... Earlier today, we were ranked the number 16 team in the country, uh, and Michigan was down at 20. So that's favorable. I mean, it's I'd rather have that than be playing, I guess, Florida, North Carolina, Kentucky, somewhere like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at some point, I mean, <laughs> at some point you need to play all those teams um, if you want to win. Yeah, um, and part of the reason is that Michigan was giving up, according to this ESPN article I'm looking at, 1.11 points per possession to Louisville, um, and gave up 91 points to Oklahoma State. So they're really on defense. Haven't they? Don't give themselves really any space for lapses. Um, yeah, and, and so like a lot of theirs is just a lot of the wins come from just shooting the lights out of the out of the gym, just scoring just so many points just off of high percentage shots. Well, that and what I think I mean this is pretty cliche, but um, they don't turn the ball over at all, and I think that will actually have more of an impact on our team than it would on other teams because. When we're at our best, we're getting a good percentage of our buckets in transition. Um, So, you know, if we're taking the ball out against this set defense, uh, that makes our life pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited, though. I think either way, hopefully, I think this will be a very good game. Hopefully not quite as good as the Rhode Island game was because that yeah. just about gave a heart attack. Uh, but hard to complain when you're in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah, and just to like back up your point about transition, um, Jay, is it Bilas or Billis? Billis. Billis. That's what I thought. Um, he wrote about how Oregon – it has scored 25.5 transition points per game 
so far this tournament, which is only second in North Carolina at 27.5. Uh, 75% of their shots come in transition. So, yeah, I think I, I wonder too if Michigan will how hard they'll attack the rim on offense for rebounds or whether they'll just kind of give that away just to limit any transition opportunities. I think their their style is more of the latter, more to fall back. I mean, to, to put, put that number of transition points in perspective, uh, you said it was about 25 points per game in transition. Yeah. Over the course of this, we averaged 79 points a game. So, I mean, I'm not a math major or anything, but that's, that's a very high percentage of buckets in transition. Um, which if we can dictate the tempo, we do like to play faster than Michigan does on, on the whole. Um, if we could dictate the tempo, I think that bodes well. Yeah. And kind of to echo your point too about Dorsey being the X factor. One of the things that I talked about with Sean on a couple of our podcasts is like, we've seen a lot of games where um, like Bell would be the guy to really separate himself statistically from others or Boucher would be like the one a that game. But in all of those, um, Brooks had like at least a good game at, yeah, at least a good game. And the games where Brooks really struggled are the ones that Oregon lost. So in a way he's like kind of the determining factor where if Dylan Brooks doesn't play well, then there's really no opportunity for, any of the other guys to to really shine. And I think that also showed in the second half against UCLA when UCLA, I forget who, which guy it was, UCLA switched one of their better players over to guard Brooks and just pressured him the entire second half, and that really limited his uh, production. And that's when... Yeah, I, I mean, I for sure agree. It's you know, we're, We've had all this talk about Dorsey and how, how well he's been playing, but, um, you know, it's... <laughs> It's pretty obvious that Dylan Brooks is uh, on the offensive end. He's the leader of this team. I mean, he he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year for a reason, um, and for the most part, the way that Dylan Brooks goes is the way that the Oregon Ducks go. Um, I think what was lost in how well Dorsey played in, during the Rhode Island game was that Brooks really kept us in the game for that first half. I mean, he. When the other team was playing, or when the rest of the team was playing pretty poorly, um, he, he was making some pretty good shots. Uh, and that continued in the second half. I mean, he, he had some big, big three-pointers to, to keep us in the game. So we'll see. Which, since Boucher went out, that I'm, I'm liking. Um, and now I don't know how much impact it has on the game itself. Um, but Keith Smith has been getting three or four minutes a game, and he's been playing very well. Um, he's a big freshman, barely played at all over the course of the season. But since Boucher has been out, I mean, he had some really good minutes against Rhode Island where he was making defensive stops, um, not necessarily being an impact player on offense, but not screwing things up and uh, you know, keeping the offense running. So, um, 
I, I like what Altman is doing and getting the freshman and, and just setting up some minutes uh, when the two big guys that you have, Bell and Bigby Williams, really need to A, stay out of foul trouble and B, stay fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with all of that. So, I mean, it's tough to really get a feel. It's, it sounds like, you know, it's going to come down to which team is the most consistent on offense, how well Oregon can defend at the rim. Um, Dylan Brooks has to have a good game so that a player like Dorsey or Ennis could really shine. Um, and then just hope that we can get a lot of points in transition at Michigan and shoot. Like, I think they're hitting like 86%. I thought I saw it was like 86% of their open shots. That's high. That is a high amount. Uh, I mean, the question is, does that, does that revert back to kind of a, a normal average or, or um, do they keep shooting the lights out? Uh-huh. And, you know, part of that is the defense that they're going against. Um, but Louisville's not any slouch on defense. Uh, they were one of the top defensive teams in the country. So, I mean, part of that, you just got to give credit to Michigan. Shot makers make shots and, and they have them on their team. So, should be fun. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Here's, yeah, here, here's the real question. What are we wearing tomorrow? Do we know? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I was real busy at work today, so I could have missed it. I'm looking up their Twitter page right now. Oregon Basketball Twitter. Um, I don't see anything about what we're wearing at this point in time. Just those like yeah, electric no, green, no. Pra- just like the apple green practice jerseys. Uh, yeah, yeah, because the shorts that I'm looking at the the first tweet on the Ducks equipment page, and the shorts are the women's shorts, so. Should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. Get excited. Um, and worst case scenario, Oregon spring practices start next week for football. Oh, man. Oh, uh, so we- Oregon would play, if, if Oregon were to win, they would play the winner of Kansas and Purdue. Neither of which is an easy matchup. No. Purdue is good at basketball this year. I actually have some I have some pretty strong connections to Purdue, so they're always the like the big ten team I follow. Um, I'm so, sorry. You know, when it comes to football season <laughs> that gets really rough. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So uh, according to five thirty eight Kansas has a 70% chance of beating Purdue. Oregon has a 43% chance of beating Michigan. And a 2% chance of winning the entire thing. Whatever. So you're saying there's a chance. All right. 
Um, let me see here. One of the things uh, I want to go over now is we're going to play our favorite game, Taggart or the Illuminati. Willie Taggart tweets. Willie Taggart. Who tweeted it? Willie Taggart or the Illuminati? Um, Hit me. All right. Surround yourself with positive people who will support you when it rains, not just when it shines. Oh, that has some local flavor to it. So I'm going to go with Willie Taggart. That is the Illuminati. Damn it. Controlling the earth. Lizard people. All right. Uh, All right. Here's the next one. I was looking through some of this stuff. Um, don't talk, act, don't show, or don't say, show, don't promise, prove. Hashtag do something, Coach Tagger. That's Illuminati again. You gotta be kidding me. I am not. See, I lost no my one, time. No one has, no, no one's seen Willie Tiger and the Illuminati in the same room at the same time. It's a good point. All right. If someone does not smile at you, be generous and offer your own smile. Nobody needs more. Nobody needs more smile than the one that cannot smile to others. I feel like this is the portion of the test where you've checked C twice in a row, and you want to check C again, but you're afraid that the teacher is just messing with you. Yeah. I'm going Illuminati. That's Willie Tiger. I, I give up. This is not. I I I, I lost my touch. <laughs> um, let me pull up some more here. His Twitter feed is just him retweeting basketball stuff and recruits. It's just him tweeting recruits and basketball. So. Well, and then you compare that to Coach Levitt, and his Twitter feed is just Pepsi and recruiting and more Pepsi. Here's here's my concern, though. Here's my concern, though. Uh, there was a reporting of him at LSU watching them coach linebackers. Uh, however, and there's a photo of it. However, he was not holding a Pepsi can or bottle. So we don't know for sure if it's him. Could be an elaborate ruse. Elaborate. It's a ruse. Um, you know, it's it's crazy too because I don't know exactly what it, how it works um, for coaches to be like retweeting players and stuff or retweeting recruits. It must be okay because Rob Mosley does it too. It is, yes. So you are, as a coach, you are allowed to retweet a recruit's tweet. Um, There are periods of the year where you cannot um, tweet at the recruit. So you couldn't mention them or uh, tweet at them or DM them, which is weird enough DMing like a teenage boy. Um, but you're, you are able, as far as I remember, 
to retweet a recruit at any time because that's not considered a communication. Yeah. Man, some of these, it's just, I, I just think part of it too is that this coaching staff is so like Twitter savvy that that's why we're seeing so much of this. Also, I just think they're slaying in scholarships to like everybody. Um, but it's crazy because I know there was, uh, there was like this article that came out a while ago um, talking about, I think one of the coaches, was it Cristobal, was talking about how they haven't been to a part of the country yet where players weren't saying that Oregon was like their favorite school. And just like going through his Twitter feed now, it's like recruiting. Right. It's like he retweets these recruits and it's like, the number, like a four-star DT from California was like, I always love the Ducks. And there's like a DB from Florida that's like top two, Oregon and Florida State. And it's just like, this is, this is, this is kind of crazy to me. Now we just need to start recruiting the North, Northeast and the Midwest. No. Get some of those, get some of those real tough, gritty guys. <laughs> Corn fed. Guys that can really think through the play. Gym rats. Gym rats. Yeah. Real gym rats. Character guys. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited for 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 fall for football. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna take it one step at a time. So I'm really pumped for the spring game and everything. And uh, reading Crooked Rob's. Uh, fake news practice reports. It's all propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. And we man. should start calling him Commissar Rob. <laughs> Commissar? Yeah. Why Commissar? Uh, those were the people who were in that uh, Russian intelligence agencies and Russian. Um, uh, government agencies to ensure loyalty to the Kremlin. Uh, during the during the USSR days, so uh, he's he's a, he's a a voice of the of the man. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure he would love that. I love Come on, Rob. He, he gets so much hate. It doesn't make sense to me. Eh, people hate the man. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so many four stars, so many four star recruits. Just going through some of this stuff. So, I feel like I'm at that point. Oh, side note. I did one of the smartest things I've ever done. I hooked up the Xbox 360 and I've been playing NCAA Football 14. One of the best decisions I've made of the last two months. One of the best decisions. I'm pretty sure you got a girlfriend in the last two months, so that's saying something. No, no, it's longer. It's longer. <laughs> it's longer. Um, yeah, I, I feel like kind of I'm at that stage right now where it's like we almost have to hurry through the regular season just to see the next recruiting class. That type of thing too with these recruits. Just sim the games. <laughs> just sim the, the games, um, unless they lose, then back out really quickly. We all we all know the the real game. It's it's how Nick Saban plays. It's it's just recruiting, and that's 
day. Yeah, I am just, I'm just fired up. Hope springs eternal. Although, uh, the Oregon Athletic Department extended the renewal time windows for the first time in, like, years on uh, donor season tickets. Meaning what? Like, normally they give you, normally they give, like, Duck Athletic Fund donors, like, a certain window of time to where they can renew their seats or purchase more before they open it up to, like, more general season ticket purchases. And then they do, like, the individual game ones. Is that, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so the ones for the Duck Athletic Fund donors, they've extended that time window, like, another month or so. Hmm. Which can right. be expected after cool. a four and eight season, so... Yeah, I mean that's. I guess that's not super shocking. Um, no. Got to fill those seats. Right. Yeah. <sighs> yep. All right. A lot of a lot of interesting questions from like a sports business perspective. With a lot of this, so I'm just pumped. We're gonna see all these quarterbacks, and I think I think too we're gonna see some players really show up this spring that just gel better with this coaching staff or with the schemes. So I get the, I just get the feeling we're going to see some players that we hadn't really seen in the past start really shining. Although, quick side note, quick note. This might be a good finishing touch. How funny was that video of, like, the linemen playing baseball? That was so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like people just people just throwing the ball, not even close. Uh, the defensive line coach, whose name Joe, whose name I'm still terrified to pronounce, he's just like laughing. Willie Tiger's just shaking his head. It's just that was I don't think I that was the hardest I laughed that day. Winter workouts, they're 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 a great time. It's team building. Yeah, but it's it's nice because I don't think we ever really. I mean, I don't think we've seen that as much of that in the past. Um, we had, of course, when, when Marcus was here, we had a snowstorm. They, they went sledding and stuff. Um, but it, it's nice to see some, uh, you know, breaking up workouts uh, with, with some fun team building stuff. I mean, because – as much as somebody might say, like, oh, well, you're wasting practice time, um, if you have a team that actually likes each other, especially on a team as big as a football team, um, they're, they're just going to play way harder for each other. So I, I think that's for sure useful. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> See, there's the ball just flying everywhere, and then Joe and Willie just laughing, just shaking their heads. It's so funny. It's wonderful. I can't wait. But more importantly, I can't wait until the Duck basketball game tomorrow and then spring football. And the and the Duck game Saturday. Yes, that too. Against Purdue, fingers crossed. All right, well, that'll do it for us. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, maybe we'll do an emergency pod at some time. At some time. Before Saturday. Who knows? I don't. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for us here at Sling and Quack. Thanks for listening this far, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.